Hello everybody and welcome back to Artist Current. I'm your host David Nagy and for today's episode I talked to the artist Paul Valentin about his work of course as always about CGI and about storytelling and ancient myths amongst other things and yeah let's get right in have fun of the episode. Hello everybody, welcome back to Artist Current. I'm here today with Paul Valentin. He's a video installation artist, I would say. And he is discussing philosophical questions uh, within his animated movies. Hello, where are you today? How are you? Uh, I'm fine, I'm in my studio today. I was away for, them for a bit and today is my first day back in the studio. So you see it in the back and uh, can't show you my workplace right now because the laptop is uh, already built into all this stuff, but <laughs> you get the idea. All right. And do you agree with me putting you as a video and video installation artist? It would be okay to also say video artist. This is enough, I would say, but you know, <laughs> everybody's doing a lot of stuff, but I, I think I'm at home at video. How did it come to? doing animated movies. Yeah, I started uh, studying at the academy in 2012, around 2012. And up to this day, I had built all these sets for my films in real, like to make stop motion kind of movies and, and to film this stuff in a miniature or in, in big places and so. And I worked a bit at the Staatsoper in, in Munich. And they have also big sets with which they built. And then I came to, to this two things that are just impossible to build. I wanted to make a, a video where you see two mirrors in front of each other. And you may know this effect that happens when you stand between two mirrors. This, this infinite room. Yes. And I wanted to know what happens if one of the mirrors are, is, is moving backwards or is bending and what happens with the with with the vision that you see and so i had to put a hole in one of the mirrors so i can put it into it so i can see because otherwise the camera would be in your way and you can't see this tunnel and this had it, it looks it has looked just shitty you know it just don't work the way i wanted to and and then i thought wasn't there this thing called cgi and computer animation and i had no idea so i googled and then I found out that everybody can do this now. So everybody can do this at home with, with almost effortless, with, with a crowdfunded products and programs at home, Blender. Mm -hmm. And so I started making the first CGI thing with this mirror and it was quite, quite good. And, and then this idea, I thought maybe you can do all these things with cgi and you don't have these lot of time that you spend building up these sets and for for even a short amount of of outcome and with cgi you got this like faster and more <laughs> more interesting but at first it was because i i had, had no resources and and then i just found out what you can do with it so it's not not easy when you find this when you figure this out because everything changes from there on you just don't do art again you did before. Mm. So I would re recommend to 
be aware if you start doing CGI because it changes everything about how you think. About the possibilities, right? About the possibilities and, and also about I don't need any actors anymore. So <laughs> in the first place, I needed actors and I needed lightning and a camera and all these stuff which you which which you need to know and which you need to handle because you have to know how to how to handle it. then you just can throw your camera in the trash you don't need it anymore so and this is it's a whole another way and so did you in the early movies then before the academy and before starting with cgi and animation was it also movies with protagonist because the way you came to CGI sounds about more interest in the room as well and the possibilities of the room less about yeah. the story that's right it's it's a bit more about the room and about the story and about effects I would call it effects or physical effects and not so much at individuals or at, at protagonists but this protagonist thing is just coming back now in the videos I'm doing right now, I figured this out because it's very hard for for the first thing. It's very hard to make any moving figure in in the CG world. It's much more difficult to just build rooms, and and also it's maybe because of the of the themes that I'm interested in. It's not so much about individuals and about persons. With your diploma, uh, I think it was you had the protagonist a movie about nothing nothing nothingness actually yeah. had a protagonist in there and it was the bunny from zootopia the heroine there i, I don't know what was she called uh, judy judy but but that's the name of her character in zootopia how did you come back to the yeah. characters and why did you choose her for this movie and why did you choose to put a character a protagonist into a movie about nothingness that's a very famous question uh, yes frequently asked <laughs> of course of course, and that's the reason, because if you see, for example, Ryan Gosling in, let's say, two movies that are at the same time in the cinema, you don't ask, you don't ask who, why is Ryan Gosling in two movies? He's just, he's the character in this one movie. How could he, how could he play another character? And you don't wonder if um, an actor is playing multiple roles during his career, but with CG characters, the bunny from Zootopia, this character, the specific character, Judy, is sticking to this actor bunny in a way that nobody can think of it in, an, in another context. Maybe she can play another role in, another, in an art house film or something. And funny enough that Disney has already done this. Disney has used characters in multiple films. For example, the, you know, the bear from Jungle Book. Baloo the bear mm -hmm. from Jungle Book. He appears also in other Disney movies as a train guy from from another, I don't know, any fantasy movie. There there he's showing up, but it's just a cameo, cameo from Disney. Yeah. So yeah. nobody noticed it. So nobody noticed it, but it's just for the animators a funny thing. So I thought this is a thing we ha we have to we have to consider that many characters that are appearing in these fantasy films are very deep characters just from their appearance. And it would be sad if they just play one role that's maybe not enough to figure out any anything what you can do with this character. And I, when I saw this bunny, I thought she could play a bit, bit more subtle role in an art house film too.
So I choose her. Small story behind this. These characters are often so embedded into a certain universe, and we don't really think about it as uh, as them being able to appear somewhere else, except for a joke or some type of a decade ago ago or something. This Disney used to do also these crossover movies or episodes and some series adaptations where the characters then kind of I don't know. Mm-hmm. Somebody has a vacation on Hawaii and comes across Lilo and Stitch or <laughs> something that. But it's always Lilo and Stitch. It's not, it's yeah. not an actor that played Lilo yeah. and Stitch and they're just taking drugs and are very, very down and all and have nothing to do with the with the movie character. This would be funny, but it's most of the time they're just... It's the same character. But, but there's also, of course, the kind of the other problem when he, with this is that these characters are, of course, uh, copyrighted and owned by the companies. An yeah. actor can can sign a contract with another movie production, kind of, and it's no problem. Mm-hmm. These characters are sure. legally owned by the companies. Mm-hmm. That's probably what why it is that way. How how did you solve this problem? So I, I, had, I had a little contact with with Scott Sewell. He had uh, helped me with the character of Judy, and he said. If you get sued by Disney, you have you're famous. So don't about getting sued by Disney. But if this happens, then you're in the newspapers and everybody knows you, and that's the best thing you can get. Okay. um, So if if you get if you get sued, if you get sued, then just be sure to have some journalists on call. (laughs) I think it it falls back under this mixing mixing agreement that you it's more of more than eighty percent of this work is done by me and this bunny is just making a crucial but a small part so mm-hmm. i would say so it's maybe tolerable but at the same time you also i don't know if i remember correctly but i think she also had this this carrot tool i think that's also from the movie right mm-hmm. from the disney movie that's that's true and also a sloth you know sloth this yeah. Faultier is reappearing also in my in my film. It's not a sloth from Zootopia, but it's a it's also it's a, it's a sloth. You know, there are these parallels. But with the with the chord thing, with the carrot pen record thing that she has, it's the same thing. It's so sad that she's just using it to trick somebody into getting something. You know, it's just a small idea. But what what you can do so much more with a carrot. That's also a pen and also a record device. That's an, an amazing, pro, a, amazing thing. You know, it's. I was just blown away by this thing because you, you know, maybe this this notion of the carrot in front of the moose. I, I don't know moose. Could you say this? Okay. Um, he's just following donkey. Uh, carrot in front of the donkey. That's. I, I also eat carrots. So. Uh, thing from Canada. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Donkey. That's the right word. So, and. I was trying to figure out what the nothing is. So I had this figurative carrot in front of me that I wanted to reach and I could never get because how would you, you can't find nothing. That's impossible. So I immediately know that the thing that I wanted to reach is far beyond my reach. And so this carrot thing was perfect. So it's a nod to this colloquialism or what you call this. But yes. The Revitus, she's also reappearing in your new work, in the, in the exhibition, in the lampshift, mm-hmm. it's called, right? It's because the whole exhibition is about everything that I have done to the topic of nothing. Everything, like, is combined in this uh, exhibition. 
and and so there that's why i show the movie there too and, and some stuff around because at the diploma exhibition i have met someone from south vietnam and he has said to me that the video looks it has been made by someone who has grown up in a christian society because everything is dark and like who it's about and nothing and it's something bad and you need to overcome it in his mind or maybe this is uh, crucial for everything in the east nothing is more uh, more hopeful thing the positive thing nothing is something that you want to achieve or nothing to be afraid of i would say and and this has inspired me to think again about maybe the the Eastern approach to the topic of nothing. And so I split the exhibition right now in two parts, in an Eastern part and in a Western part, I would say. Mm. They also have a geographically correct, like in the Eastern and the West of the exhibition room. Would be funny. That's the, the great thing about the room where I'm very thankful to, to show my work there. Because funny enough that I um, was 10 years ago visit visited the max forum exhibition there and i had no no clue about art and stuff and there i decided to study art because the exhibition was so great right. what did you see it was a group exhibition i think from from, from students from the academy but uh, i think uh, maybe they they had already made their diploma i'm not sure and it was a video piece from tobias eve zintel I think mm -hmm. he's doing theater and, and very avant-garde theater stuff right now. And, and he has made a very interesting video, <laughs> at least for my... Uh, I also saw that in your new exhibition, you also have not only video, but also some sculptures in there. Is this something new for you that you have sculptures to you, so with your work? or And what, what are these sculptures? What do they show to you? Do you mean this this wall kind of thing that looks like a rock wall with yeah. a F on it? It is, in fact, not a sculpture. It's just a two-dimensional surface. Ah, and it okay. just looks like it's three-dimensional. And the people get tricked to think that it's uh, three-dimensional, <laughs> even when they stand just ahead of it. And I have done this quite some time. Also in the Karl and Faber exhibition, I had this, it's, you know what a Potemkin, Potemkin city, I would say, Potemkin village is. It's, there was this, I'm not sure about this, but um, there was this king called Potemkin. He's coming back into the city that's been destroyed from the war. And so the government has built some nice looking, nice looking surfaces of houses so that he can pass and think, oh, everything is all right. And so he, he he doesn't see the mess behind. So and I this idea of that you have a small wall that where you can walk around in Las Vegas or so, and you can see the shitty thing behind or the the um, theater space behind, and in front it looks three dimensional and it's it's everything is real. And, and so I made this this. So it's not actually sculptures, but I, I that you think that us that it's sculptures. <laughs> I was successfully tricked. <laughs> and what does this relief show for the listeners? Do you want to describe it? It's a scene that looks it's it's an antique scene of the of the myth of Pandora. Maybe you know the myth of Pandora. She has this 
everybody says he has she has a box but in in fact she i think she has she has a little vase a little uh, flask, yeah, i would say how is how is it said it's called uh, the colloquial form is pandora's Bo pandora's box as well in english but i think as i remember so, in the myth is there not a box but like an urn or something something made of clay that's true so so it's it's been said to be a box which contains all the bad things that are happening to humanity illness and death and all these things and and the thing in the myth is that pandora has already opened the box and everything has escaped so that's why we get ill and die so shitty things happened and in the myth pandora is closing the box right before the last thing could escape so something is is now in in the box is a residue that's been held in the box and it's hope so hope is the last thing in pandora's box and when when i heard this i thought oh why is hope the last thing that's been in pandora's box why is why this is why is this suspended from us so why why is hope even a bad thing and then i thought when you say now don't open the box of pandora what do, what this what does this mean because there's just hope left what what could what could possibly happen if hope escapes from her box and and then i thought maybe if hope escapes from the box then there is nothing left and maybe this is the the most bad thing that could happen to us that nothing is 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 there not even hope and I find this this thought a bit crucial for the Western civilization that you think you have to suspend this hope. It's a Christian idea, of course, in a way that you have to suspend this this notion of hope or this idea of that in the end there will be something for you or, or I don't mm -hmm. know. And and so she's opening the box and my wall is split in half, is split in two parts, and think this is just a bit this stands for this for this terrifying idea that maybe there's nothing left so is it these do myths play a huge role on your work do you work with myths often as well what i on myths myths <laughs> is that they have this archetypal meaning to it so it's it's all about these stories are varying through the time when they when they get told but you have reappearing stories all the way noah's ark or stuff is it's been i think it's been told six times in the history of of humanity and even always in another in another context and the interesting thing for me is that it seems that people throughout the history of humanity had the same questions onto the world and onto how we live that they reappear in every century again and again and they use myths or symbolic figures to just come around these ideas and, and i find this quite interesting what came first came this interest in philosophical questions first and then led you to mythology and these archetypical story arcs basically topics or was it the other way around or did not have nothing to do with each other <laughs> oh sure it has something to do with each other but i'm not sure what came first i think i think first was the philosophical 
questioning because that's how you that's how you define depending on how you define phil philosophical questions so somebody wouldn't define a philosophical question when you ask why the grass is green but um, they would say it's just a physical question or a biological one or something like this but this wondering about what the world is and what phenomena are that's always stick to me in my childhood but and then you have these early childhood mythology power rangers and stuff is so how could you decide when you start getting in in touch with with mythology i'm not sure when i started to have my first contact with mythology was it harry potter i don't know it's it's all very loaded stuff if you will so it's more as less mythology you see mythology less in the sense of ancient myths but more in the sense of another a story that tries to explain certain aspects of maybe human love or human questions that humans tend to yeah. ask themselves again and again absolutely yeah oh god you made me think about power rangers now what what power ranger did you like most <laughs> oh oh my god there was there was also these different iterations of them so that's a, that's a hard question of the series which sure. kept on changing <laughs> but i think i like the red yeah. power ranger the red power ranger good 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 i, I think at one point i even had a power ranger action figure <laughs> i had i had power ranger uh, sneakers that are very cool i, I bought them yeah. on a the flea market and one light was was uh, defect yeah. <laughs> I, I very love this but the, the monsters were also the, the monsters were also always awesome. I sometimes sure at some points I still Google Power Ranger monsters just because I want to have a laugh. <laughs> Giant butterfly, how yeah. scary! Oh god, that's that's also the the Asian the the Eastern approach to mythology. So there we there we. And you're also interested in like how stories are told, the way they are shaped. Mm. For example, there's this hero's journey that is quite consistent in a lot of stories and cultures across centuries. So, mm -hmm. sometimes there are these. I don't know how to say this in English. It's fairy tales from 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 folks that are traveling a lot. It's more of these mm -hmm. uh, kind of people. I I don't know how to how to say this in English, but uh, they have these all the folk tales from people that are driving a lot nomadic you have you find this also in arabic tales they are very similar mm -hmm. to these but the interesting thing about this is they don't write things down they all they all use these telling in a way of you just have to remember it and so in every way when you retell it you just put something to it or take something from it so this the story is ever changing all the time when you retell it and and in this case i'm interested in how it's been told but if you go to the archetypal stuff then are the things most that are consistent throughout the throughout the decades because so many people had thought about it and thought it's the best way to tell it this way because it's the precise way so you get the so you get the idea most most on point or something so this is it depends on the story but also depends also the, the way when you say it's the most precise way to tell the story it's, it's maybe also often i get the feeling that it's more of a 
this is the closest to the source in a way when you keep in in our society at least it's uh, a lot of time times i think that it's when you have a translation for example you want to keep it as close to the source as possible for example even though it's never possible because it's a translation and mm -hmm. that there's this feeling or this uh, thought that you have to keep it you have to preserve it also a story which is actually which you actually can't it's an illusion that you could preserve a story this could be different by mythology because some the the later versions are better ones mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they are something wasn't not quite on point with the metaphors because they are all metaphors if you have uh, prometheus bringing fire to the people he's not just bringing fire to the people that's not the story it's it's all a metaphor for something else and you just need to figure out what what could be the best figurative image to to tell the story of technology or something like this and and so there are better and worse ways in in the when you try to how to say encrypt encrypting to translating from the imagery back to a thought and there are stories that are better and and worse mm -hmm. and most of the time the the first version is not the best version because it's just a raw feeling and then it gets better and better with iterations what are you what are you working on right now when you say the figure it to the story the protagonist Mostly it com comes back. What are you working on? I had I had this talk with with this philosopher Michael, that I admire in a lot of ways, and he has written this book, um, "Why the World Does Not Exist," is the title. And I came across this his work when I done this nothing stuff about nothingness, and I thought maybe the this term of the world is the is the next interesting thing that I wanted to look at. And so my next two videos that are where I had started <laughs> a few days ago are going into this direction. And has has a lot to do with how we perceive things and also what could be the most the most crazy easiest art show that could be ever made in in but maybe that's that's going too far off our topic right now but let's say it has something to do with what the world is okay the most craziest art show ever is also a quite a high goal to achieve well, it's a high goal but the interesting thing is all that i can do i just can do from my perspective everything that i that i do but who cares it's my it's my thought about what the craziest archer would look and then you mm. maybe find it very boring but at least i show you mine and and then you can you know take your thought about it so so i'm i'm just trying yeah i'm really in german Klingelstrand. i'm looking forward to it's not quite it me too because i have no idea what this will look in the end uh, right now but yeah it's an experiment <laughs> Let's let's see where it goes, right? <laughs> and you have your exhibition going on at the Maximilians Forum right now, of course. And do you have anything else you would you tell the audience about or you want to plug? 
I'm not sure when this podcast is showing up, but um, at 11.11.2020, so at November 11, you can get a really nice talk with almost every person in, in Bavaria who ha who's interested in nothing because I have a big talk with physicists and, and, and art historians that talk, I hope, talk about nothing. And it, I hope to be it. To, to find it interesting hmm. so this is the next thing a lot of talk about nothing no yeah no you see you can talk a lot about nothing <laughs> if you just take it serious and you already have your three artists that you want to recommend for the project i need to think about it a bit more but i would recommend at first to meet merlin stadler yes. i think this is his name i sent i know him okay <laughs> I think he is doing, you know, much, much artists, artists are interested in CG nowadays. So you have these, a lot of people are just working with this aesthetic and they don't have something that they want to tell with this other than look how crazy this thing is or look what you can do with it. And I find this a bit, you know, you have to overcome it right now. We all, we all have grown up with this thing and we all have played computer games and they have developed a lot. So if art wanted to have a voice in all these new approaching media, we need to focus on, for example, on the techniques, on how we how we build these things. And I think Merlin is doing quite a good job on, on all this. And if you talk to him about the the backside or the insights of his work, you can find out that there is a lot of interesting stories about mm -hmm. whales and, and stuff. So I would uh, definitely recommend to to meet him yes. on his work. Great. And for the other two, you still think about them, right? Sure. Okay. Then you just tell me when you have them. <laughs> okay. Sure. Great. It was really nice talking to you. I hope you had fun with it. Yes, I did. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Okay. And see you soon. Maybe I will check out the exhibition again and uh, see how I was fooled by the <laughs> not three dimension by the not sculptures. <laughs> so bye bye. Nothing left to say. Have a nice evening. That was everything for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I will link Paul Valentin's information for the social media and his website in the description. And you can also see his work on our Instagram page at Artists Current. See you again next week, probably for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs>